Breach investigations. Who are the actors and what are the actions that are being committed? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. It's my privilege to be speaking today with Charles Carmichael. He's a director with Mandian. Charles, thank you so much for your time and your insight today. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. So, Charles, Mandian has been in the news a great deal of late. To start out with, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and your role with Mandiant, please. Yeah, Tom. I'm a director with Mandiant based in Washington, D.C. I help my clients with enterprise-wide intrusion investigations, large-scale security remediation, and containment programs, and I provide strategic security consulting to business and technology executives to help them counter targeted threats. Hey, Charles, how long have you been with Mandiant now? I've been with Mandiant for about a year and a half. Okay, and what a year and a half it's been. Of late, of course, Mandia has been involved with many high-profile incidents in recent months. The New York Times comes to mind. The report that Mandian issues comes to mind. Just to give us some context, when does Mandian typically get called into a breach incident? So uh, last year, 63% of our clients were notified of their breach by a third party, whether it's law enforcement or an intelligence agency or maybe even a business partner. We typically receive phone calls from victim organizations shortly after the notification. The vast majority of our work comes through referrals from law enforcement and former clients. Charles, if I could ask you just a quick follow-up, why do you find that it is that so many organizations are notified by third parties of an incident and they don't recognize it first themselves? What we tend to find is most organizations um, don't really have the security monitoring capabilities in place for them to be able to detect targeted and sophisticated attacks. Um, what we generally find is that um, they, they become notified by third parties uh, because the third parties generally have quite a bit more intelligence around specific threat actors um, that, that just that common organizations just t- tend to have. So, again, you've, been, you've uncovered and participated in a number of recent investigations. What would you say are some of the common threads you see in organizations that have been breached? So there's really four trends that we've observed in our investigations last year. Really, the first one is that attackers are commonly using outsourced service providers as a means to gain access to their victim targets. Uh, The second thing we've observed is once inside the victim's network, the attackers typically leverage network documentation, penetration testing reports, PCI assessment reports, et cetera, to study the environment and more efficiently gain access to the data that they're interested in. The third observation is once a target, always a target. Last year, 30% of our investigations that we conducted were associated with the re-compromise of our clients' environments. The fourth thing that we're seeing is an uptick in strategic web compromises. What we tend to find nowadays is that uh, targeted attackers will compromise websites known to be visited by their targets. They'll plant malicious software that'll be ex- that'll exploit web browsers, third-party applications on their target victims so that they can ultimately gain access to the environments of the individuals that are visiting the website. Now, that's an interesting first point because essentially what you're saying is no matter how secure you make your own organization, you're only as strong as your partners, really. That, that's exactly it. Let's talk about some lessons that we've learned recently about breach actions. What do you find to be today's most common schemes? And I wonder, do they vary at all by global region? For instance, we're seeing a lot of DDoS in the United States and Europe are we seeing different types of activity elsewhere in the world? Yeah. 
So really the, the two most prevalent types of threat actors that we deal with are state-sponsored threat actors uh, originating from China, but also other countries and not limited to China, and also organized crime originating from primarily Eastern Europe. Their techniques and their objectives do vary. Uh, state-sponsored generally are interested in data that has economic, military, or political value to their countries. Organized crime, on the other hand, is generally interested in data that can be quickly monetized. So, for example, we will see them compromise environments to steal credit card data for credit card theft, uh, bank account information for wire fraud, or those steal personally identifiable information that commit identity theft. So, Charles, those are the actors. What types of actions are they taking? What are some of the most advanced threats that you're seeing? That's really what I'd like to drive to here. So, um, some of the most, some of the more advanced things that we're seeing, um, as a you know, as a specific example, is we're seeing things like um, SSL certificates um, being stolen from particular environments to to use, um, or to encrypt communication between victim organizations and command control infrastructure. We're seeing certificates being stolen from victim organizations to digitally sign malicious software so that uh, um, as investigators are trying to um, uncover malicious software within an environment, um, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult to find when uh, malware is digitally signed by known authentic certificates. Um, so that, those are two common examples that we're starting to see a little bit more of nowadays. Do you find that these vary much by global region, or do the threats tend to be similar wherever you are in the world? Um, they, they certainly do vary a bit, but it, it certainly depends on, on the types of threat actors. And again, um, you know, the, the two main threat actors that we deal with are those that are um, state-sponsored, primarily originating from China, that are going after economic, military, and political data, and then organized crime from Eastern Europe that's mostly after data that could be quickly monetized. Now, I want to, you, you mentioned nation-state, and I want to ask you about that. Uh, about two months ago, Mandiant made big news, big wide news, with its report naming China as a significant nation-state threat. What's been the reaction to that report? Well, Tom, the, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. The, the report's taken the issue from a mid-level security management level to the executive and board level. So now they have a better understanding of the financial implications associated with state-sponsored threats. And additionally, many of the organizations have taken the threat intelligence that we provided to help them look for indicators of compromise within their own environments. Have you seen changes in the threats? I mean, essentially, you called out China. Has that changed the activity that you see? Well, a little bit. So we provide a threat intelligence associated one, with one particular threat actor. And what we have seen subsequent to the release of our report and the threat intelligence is that um, a, a lot of the command and control infrastructure may have changed a little bit. So we see the attackers are using different IP addresses, different domains. They change registration. Um, details associated with um, some of their domains. They, they parked some of their domains. Um, we see them using uh, variations of malware that they previously used. But the fact of the matter is the you know, APT1 and various other threat actors are still very active today. Um, they're just uh, APT1, as a specific example, has changed a bit of how they operate, uh, but they're certainly still out there uh, actively breaking into other organizations and stealing data from those environments. So, Charles, give us a sense, please. What are some of the current manifestations of nation-state threats that you're seeing, including what you're seeing from the APT? Yeah, so, so Tom, there's really an overwhelming amount of evidence linking attacker activity to nation-state threats. Mandiant tracks several dozen threat actors, many of which that originate from China. 
As a specific example, we believe China's People's Liberation Army Unit 61398, which we call APT-1, is responsible for hundreds of network compromises. We've been able to attribute the activity to them based on the tools that they use, the IP addresses that they come from, the type of data that they steal, and indicators from the host systems that they connect from. When you look at that, that data individually, it's hard to pinpoint the activity to a particular group. But when you look at it in whole, the observations are compelling. For example, when we see an organization that's breached during trade negotiations with a Chinese-based company, and we see Chinese character sets used in the malware that they use, and we see Chinese IP addresses through, IP, through errors in their uh, proxy tools, and we also see you know, the Chinese um, keyboard layouts um, from the attacker systems, it seems pretty clear that the threat's coming from a certain part of the world. We, I mean, we do acknowledge that there's one other unlikely possibility with, with uh, specific uh, examples from, from an APT-1 perspective. Now, perhaps there's a secret resource organization full of mainland Chinese speakers with direct access to Shanghai-based telecommunications infrastructure that's engaging in a multi-year, enterprise-scale computer espionage campaign right outside of Unit 61398's gates that perform similar tasks that are known to 61398's mission. And if it's not that, then it is. <laughs> exactly. You can pretty much draw your own conclusions. That's right, Tom. Charles, I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you so much. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. We've been talking about breach investigations, the actors and the actions. I've been talking with Charles Carmichael, director with Mandiant. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.